Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. Hope you're doing well on this Monday afternoon. I appreciate you checking out another episode of DC and Hawani. We got a lot to talk about on today's show, but before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you that this Sunday on ESPN, they are premiering the new Bruce Lee 30 for 30. It's called Be Water. It's a great look at the man, the myth, the legend himself, a man who many people believe is uh, partly responsible for the birth of mixed martial arts here in this country. It's a great documentary, and it's a great watch. I highly recommend it. Now, I also want to let you know that immediately following the documentary, which airs at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, you can catch Jalen and Jacoby, The After Show. They've been doing this for The Last Dance, and of course, they did it for the two-part Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 that just wrapped up on Sunday night. They're going to be doing one for the Bruce Lee doc as well, Be Water. So immediately following the documentary airing this Sunday on ESPN, check out Jalen and Jacoby, The After Show. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Monday, June 1st, 2020. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Hawani. And as always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Of course, we have a ton to get to on today's program. And as you can see, uh, DC is joining us from a different locale. He's in Las Vegas, called the fights on Saturday, is calling UFC 250 this Saturday at the Apex. First things first, DC. How are you, my man? Oh, man, I'm excited. I, I, uh, I'm i in Vegas. I, I'm at my, my beautiful hotel room at the Residence Inn South in Las Vegas. It's been nice. It's been nice to train and, and then call the fights and now do our podcast. It's good. Yeah, I mean, dare I say it's more than just a podcast per se. It's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. The fastest growing show on ESPN. My bad. I I really did undersell. I really did undersell. I'm sorry. I bury leads. I undersell. I'm I'm, my bad. My bad. I apologize. But it's a good look. You got a nice looking mic over there. I mean, I feel like you're all in. Your your beard is all trim. I got it all done. You you know, it was long because all the grays were just kind of showing. So I shaved it down a little bit. Now it's all the same length. I kind of like it. I mean, I got to be honest. I nice. like the hair is nice. You shaved that too. Nice I mean, you are looking fly. I was yes. ready for TV. I was ready for TV Saturday night. You know, me and DJ Mikey B. Me and That's... DJ Mikey B were ready for TV this weekend. I have to say, you know, I don't know if he's in there, if he's going to pop up. A little jealous of the bromance that is brewing in front of us. <laughs> Between you and Mike Bisping and him calling you Dan and the back and forth between you guys. I mean, who would have thought they separate you and you become even tighter? The love Mike, grows stronger. Michael Bisping is the man, bro. He's easy to get along with. I know people like his whole deal when he was fighting, everybody kind of hated Michael Bisping. But in Mike, he says anything he wants to say. The other day on TV, I told Mike, I go, Mike, I go, you know what's so good about you? You just say anything. He goes, no, Dan, trust me, I'm holding back quite a bit. And I was like, oh, my God. Could you imagine the thoughts that are going through his head? He's the best, but he's so funny. I like that dude. I like Gilbert Burns fighting 25 rounds, things like that. (laughs) Yeah, like those types of things he says that. And even when he was talking about the guy, Spike Carlisle, he goes, 
Spike goes sauntering away. And I was like, he's sauntering away from the fight. Just punched on the side of the head. I'm just like, I had to close my mic because I was laughing so hard at Mike saying sauntering away because of his accent. It, it, it's always fun, man. By the way, does Luke Rockhold feel even more jealous than me about this bromance? <laughs> he, he doesn't really care. He, gives me, he messes with me sometimes. He goes, you're over there cheating on me with Bisping. I, I was like, come on, man. Because I asked Luke, I was like, hey, you have to come help me train for my fight. You know, when you coming, when you coming? And Luke goes, my shoulder just got done, but I'll be back in a little bit. You know, I'll move around with you and everything. And that's what brothers do. Then he calls me, he goes, you're over there cheating on me with Bisping, but you want me to come and help you get ready for the fight hurt? I'm like, come on, man. I'm just trying to play both sides of the coin. You know, on the TV side, got to have Bisping. On the fight side, I got to have Luke Rockhold. So it is what it is. For the first time ever, I think I actually sympathize with Luke Rockhold. First Come time on, ever. man. <laughs> for the first time ever, I actually feel bad for Luke and understand Luke's where he's the man, coming. bro. Luke's, trust me, Luke is fine over there. I know, I know. So we have so much to talk about on today's show. Between the fights on Saturday, the return to Las Vegas, the event at the Apex, Gilbert Burns beating Tyron Woodley, all the drama regarding John Jones and the UFC, all the drama regarding the welterweight division, Colby Covington leaving ATT, UFC 250 on Saturday. I mean, this might be our most stacked show in terms of topics. But yeah, we've, we've got a lot to talk about today, which we haven't we haven't necessarily had the as many uh, over the course of the weeks. But obviously, I think you're going to go to the one big one. You know, yes, there's the, the biggest one, one, the most important thing that's taken over our world right now is the uh, the murder of George Floyd. How are, how are you, you know, I know uh, people would more want to hear my thoughts, but from from a, you know, you're not, not a black person. What are your, how are you feeling right now in terms of everything? Well, I appreciate you asking me first. Um, I really do. For those that don't know, obviously, a week ago today, George Floyd was murdered and I'm happy that you used that that word and didn't say just died or something you know no he was murdered on camera in front of the world in broad daylight and that of course has sparked outrage that has sparked protests that has sparked riots and I'll be honest you know watching the fight on Saturday you guys did a phenomenal job of giving us entertainment and that's the best thing about sports right sports are an escape valve and that's why we miss sports so much over the past three months during the pandemic right and why it was so good to have MMA back it was hard for me to focus 100% because, you know, the, the riots and, and, and the, the protests were really starting to ignite on Saturday night. You guys did a great job of providing entertainment. But I will be honest with you, DC. I am very mad today. I'm the kind of guy that when I go to bed, I go to bed. Sometimes, much to my wife's chagrin, I put my head on the, the pillow, I'm sleeping right away. I couldn't sleep yesterday. I, I fell asleep probably 1.32 a.m. I was tossing and turning. I am mad, I am sad, I am outraged, and the problem is I feel like we don't have a solution. Mm -hmm. This is going to continue to happen. The people who we are supposed to trust the most are the ones abusing their power, and they're killing innocent people. And I feel for your community, I feel for the black people in America, I feel for the black people all across this world who can't go out for a run at night like I like to do, who have to drive and sometimes they're in a nice car in a nice neighborhood and they get worried when they get pulled over, what's going to happen to me next? These are things that I don't have to worry about as a white man living in America and what you guys have to worry about every single day. And I'm tired of it and I hate that it keeps happening and my heart breaks for that man. And I'm sorry for going long, but when you hear a man whose face is on the ground handcuffed, four cops on top of him watching, one man putting his knee to his neck and he's calling for his mother who is dead, to yeah, me- it, it's just heartbreaking. So I just want to say 
I am sorry this has happened. And I just want to say that I stand with all of you because this has to stop. It has to stop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. You know, I got that video from Bob, you know, and, and I just watched a little bit of it and I was like, I can't watch all of this. I was like, I was like, cause I didn't know what was going on. It, it just seemed so unreal. And I think for all that we've been through in the last few months with the quarantine, it truly has allowed for this incident to truly play out on a worldwide level because videos of, of black men and black people getting mistreated are available every day on the internet. Like they're everywhere every day and the the unfair treatment of, of, of my people. But because of the pandemic, because there's not sports and there's not so many things going on around the world, all eyes are on this incident. And I think it allows for people to truly see the fears that are right at the doorstep when you walk outside. And it's very scary. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about watching that video was just the expression on his face because he knew that there was just no danger in what he was doing. And there was going to be no consequence in that moment and possibly no consequence going forward. Just that, that look of, of you can't stop me from doing exactly what I want. And that's sad because like you said, police officers are there to protect and serve. And in that situation, that was not done. I hope that we can come to some sort of solution as a country as a people as a a, just a race of people to try and make things better and I, i i believe that because of where we were and because of the the lack of things going on that's why you see so many people upset i said it before man you see videos of guys getting beat up and stuff every day but it's because we're in quarantine and now there's nothing else to distract people that they see it, and now by truly paying attention to it, everybody's just really upset. You also have people who for the past two, three months um, have been at home, who are frustrated, who may have lost mm-hmm. their jobs, who may have lost loved ones, and we're seeing that explode now. It's been bottled up, and there's, you're seeing it explode. And unfortunately, you're seeing people take advantage of the situation. You're seeing people it's losing, awful. You know what I mean? And, and that makes it worse, too. You know, The peaceful protests, the words seeing people step up, people who don't usually step up, people who have a power. And I'm so happy. I hate when people tell athletes to stick to sports. I hate when mm-hmm. I hear people say, shut up and dribble. I love seeing Steven Jackson speak out. I love seeing Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics speak out. I love seeing Michael Jordan speak mm-hmm. out. I love seeing you speak out on Twitter. I love seeing what John Jones did last night, taking away spray cans. I yeah. love seeing all of that. And I think Jalen Rose, who we both respect so much, put it so well. We all love black culture deeply right we all like to emulate it we -hmm. think that you guys are the coolest right we want to be like mike we want to be like lebron we want to watch you know kevin hart movies and we want to watch chris rock but then when it comes to actually you know being on your level and understanding what you go through we want to turn on you and that's wrong you know we put you on a pedestal and then in day-to-day life we turn on you and that's or ignore it or ignore or ignore the issues that are right in the face you know either either turn on it and say, well, these guys, you know, guys are complaining or are not taking things, uh, 
at overplaying everything or just try to ignore it. You can't ignore the issues that our country is faced with. You know, there is still racism, a ton of it, and it's showing. There's there's division in our country. People have not come together as they should. You know, we are not as together as we should be. I, I was on my Instagram the other day, and I put a video up of George Floyd, and I was listening to a song from 1975 by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, and it's called Wake Up, Everybody. And it's insane for me to think that almost 50 years from the release date of that song that we are still faced with the same issues that we dealt with back in the 70s. It should not be so relevant. There should not be a call for people to come together on this level at this point. It's insane. We should be so much further along in terms of races, of people being more together, being more combined. We should be living in a world today where we are all treated fairly. We are all equal. We are all the same, where we can rely on the people that are put in positions to guide us and protect us and feel comfortable with that. It's not fair that you have these types of situations happening over and over again. I mean, you saw two different incidents at a very, very bad level in the middle of the quarantine. I mean, two black men being killed, one being hunted and killed, another guy getting thrown on the ground, another black man getting thrown on the ground and put his knee on his neck till he died. I mean, it is bad whenever those incidents are happening in 2020. And so we need to find a solution, find a way to where people can be better, to where people feel safe. Because as a black man, I have mixed children. I have mixed children. But I still worry about the world that I'm going to leave little Daniel and Marquita in to live in and to grow in because it's, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening to think about what this world is going to be in another 20 years. If we haven't gotten it right since 1975, wake up. The world won't get no better if we just let it be. That's the, that's the, the, the lyrics to that song. I mean, it, it, to me, it's so sad. And I worry for my kids. I worry for my kids, but my kids are lucky, right? My kids are, my kids are, 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 they have the ability to be sheltered. But what about my nieces and my nephews? What about my family in Louisiana? who don't have much, who are going to struggle and who are going to be the types of people that get targeted. It's awful and it's upsetting and it pisses you off. I saw a clip on social media today of uh, Chris Rock, a stand-up that he did a few years ago. And he was talking about how sometimes when cops do things like this, you know, we say cops are, are good. And I've met a lot of cops as an MMA journalist. A lot of people love MMA. They come, they send me, you know, patches. And like, there's a lot of great cops out there with kind hearts. Um, but then, and we just dismiss it as bad apples. Cops are probably the one sector where you can't have any bad apples. That's not good enough. No. You can't just say bad. They all have to be great people. Gotta be good because it's not a bad apple. It's a murderer. It's yes. someone abusing his power. That's not right. That shouldn't fly. All those people should be uh, locked up right now. All of them should stand trial. All of them should be convicted. <laughs> there should be no gray area here. That was murder. That was an innocent man being murdered in front of cameras, in front of people in the middle of the day in Minneapolis. There's just no other way to slice it. And it breaks my heart. It really does. And, you know, I think the part that frustrates me and why I can't go to sleep and and why I'm like 
kind of nervous and sad today is because I don't see the solution. Like we say, it has to get better, but how does it get better? How does it get better? And it feels like over the past three months, our world has exploded. Like how does the pandemic get better? How does this get better? It feels like we don't have the answers to anything. Where's the leadership? Where's, where's the guidelines? Where's the guidance? Like, I, I just feel like we're lost as a society and this makes me scared as a parent. And as, and I'm not going to, I don't have the same emotions that you have about your family. And that's why I want to say like, I feel the same as you, but I can't imagine how you're feeling and how your nieces and nephews feel, how your family feels. It's horrible. The whole thing is horrible. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But like, you know, you have to start to find answers. And I got to be honest right now, what's happening in the streets. It's not, those aren't going to get answers. All the looting, all the rioting, all the taking advantage and, and, it's it's not going to make things better. These people are destroying our cities. Good for Jones. Try to protect the cities that we love. Like, don't just sit back and allow for people to just destroy what, after a point, when, when people start to, to calm down, you got to go back and, and, and try to rebuild a city that you might love. I mean, I, I watched Killer Mike and the mayor of Atlanta come out on, on Friday and talk about protecting their city. The black hub in America, Atlanta, this is where black people go to prosper. And they said, when you're destroying the city, you're destroying things that our people have built. I mean, I feel like everybody needs to take that type of approach. Slow down, be peaceful, start trying to come to places where we can figure out how we make things better. Looting and rioting and fighting, that doesn't, that doesn't help. It, it's sad, man. I looked at, I saw San Jose the other day and they're marching on city hall. They're throwing stuff at the police. And for me, it's scary because I do know, uh, some, some police officers and sheriffs. I coach with a whole bunch of them. I've got kids on my wrestling team that dads are police officers. And like you said, there are good, they are good guys. They're great guys. I consider them friends, but no, no cop can be bad. No sheriff can be bad. It needs to be across the board. I mean, I just think that. We have to find answers and stop with the with with the nonsense because at this point it's all just nonsense because that know, doesn't honor this doesn't all oh, you breaking into a Gucci store right. how is that to honor the memory of Brother George Floyd it doesn't it well, doesn't. all it does is cloud your message right because it gives people an opportunity to call you a thug or a criminal absolutely if you protest silently there's been a lot of that. Um, that we've seen across the country, no one can say anything about you. Mm -hmm. They could say, no, these people have something to say. They want to say something. But if you just go around burning down innocent people's businesses that they've worked their whole lives for, I get that you're mad. I get it. I understand it. But all you're doing is giving the bad people a reason to dismiss what you really want to say and what you really are feeling. And so I hope that people recognize that as well. I hope that it gets back. You know, we've talked a lot over the years about everything. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, we've talked about everything, your ups and downs, everything that you've been through. It's an unbelievable story. But I was thinking about this this morning. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about racism and, no. and whether you've been subjected to it growing up in the South, traveling you the know. world as an Olympian, as an amateur wrestler. I mean, you've been everywhere, up and down, mm-hmm. twice, back and forth. Have you ever been subjected to that? You know what's so crazy, man, is that it's like I really haven't dealt with it much, but it's because even racist people are okay with you if you can entertain them. Mm. Just the way it is. Like I went and lived in Kobe, Kansas for two years. There's 7,000 people in the whole town. I never dealt with racism because I was the number one kid in the country that was coming to wrestle for the, the college. 
didn't really have to deal with racism in Stillwater, Oklahoma, because, you know, I was one of the best wrestlers. Like, and then now, because of who you are, you get the best version of everybody. You know, I'm sure LeBron James hasn't dealt with much racism directly in his face. He hasn't, but we did just, have that incident where they spray painted on his uh, on his house the 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 outside the gate in L.A. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't even know that. But most, yeah, yeah, like I think overall, and you know, most times you don't deal with it because it's easy when you're entertaining, you know. But I know people that have dealt with it on a big level. I mean, I, 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 my sister dealt with an issue one time. It's so sad, man. This was just blatant racism. We were, she was outside of our house in Louisiana. I bought my mom a house in November, and the lady. There's a pasture, a pasture like a big field of grass next to the house. And my sister had the kids outside playing in it. And there's a lady uh, of a different race that told them not to be on the property and all that. And uh, my sister said, okay, in case somebody gets hurt, you know, da 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 My sister said, okay, I'm sorry. Tried to shake the lady's hand. Lady said, I don't need to shake your hand. And then my brother was like, hey, nobody's using this property. My brother was thinking about buying it. And the lady actually said to me, well, can you guys even afford this? Right? Like my, my, my family, you know, my brother said we can't personally, but my brother can and told her who I was. And then, you know, by the end of the conversation, the lady shakes my sister's hand. But she blatantly refused to do it before because she figured that they were black. Also, that they were econo- economically uh, beneath her. And so it was just it, those, those things are happening today. Hey, this happened five months ago to my little sister and my brother. It's like, it's still there, man. It's still there and it's not going to change until something at the highest level changes. And honestly, right now, um, it doesn't look like at the highest level there's going to be change. Yeah. I would just urge everyone, start with yourself, then with your house, then with your neighbors, and then hopefully slowly but surely we can get better and, and we can start we, to lead by example I was and not rely to, on other people to do it for us. You know, I was talking to, I was talking to Cassandra a couple of days ago. Cassandra is my assistant. She helps me. And she said, it always affects me when young kids talk about race, right? That's when, that's where the racism starts. A lot of mm-hmm. times when, it, when a five-year-old kid goes, I'm going to play with my friend. Oh, she's black. Like mm-hmm. why would a kid have any idea what the differences in races are. You're just going to go play with another kid. Don't talk about the black kid. That only comes from the parents, mm-hmm. right? The, the kid doesn't know the difference. They may see a different shade, may see a different face, but if they don't know color like that in that sense of this race is different than mine. They hear that from their parents. So as parents, you got to be very careful with the things that you talk about in front of your children. And then your children will start to do the same thing. I don't know if my kids even understand what, what their ethnicity is at, at this point. I got to be honest with you because it's something we don't stress in our house. We treat everybody as fair as they come. And my kids are, my kids see everything, right? They see Tiago, the Brazilian. They see Tyler, the white guy, Ian, the white guy. They see Sean, the black guy. They see Bob. You know, like they see so many different things that everybody's equal to them. We're all just friends in a business. Rudy, Rosendo, Mexican guys, like they just see so many different things that they don't even understand race. They don't, they don't pay attention to it. As it should be. 
Um, again, I hope that athletes continue to speak up. I hope that people, um, not just athletes, entertainers, actors, politicians, of course, everyone, don't be afraid to speak up. Do it the right way. Do it, do it, you know, with, with your message loud and clear. And, uh, hopefully so slowly, but surely we'll be able to, uh, you know, fix not only America, but this world, because now this is extending all across the world. And you mentioned earlier that John Jones, uh, was, was seen last night on the streets of Albuquerque. Um, taking away spray cans from young men. Um, and let's transition to John Jones if we can, because what a week it has been for him. Now, let me ask you this, DC, as you're, what are you, what are you, what are you stirring your tea over there? My coffee has a, it's like this coffee that they put this like oil stuff into, it's sort of like oh, protein. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't like when it all just gathers on top of my, my cup. It, no. Yeah. Yeah. Is it butter? It's not butter. I don't like the butter. It's like this, this, uh, I don't know what it's called. Let me ask you this, DC, because, you know, now that we're the fastest growing show at ESPN and uh, we have to talk about a lot of things here, I've never asked you this question as well since we've started this endeavor. And I can understand if your answer is no. Okay. So I I want you to be 100% honest. Is it hard for you to talk about John Jones in an unbiased manner? Because John has made it very personal. Uh, with you, right? He's talked about your family. He's defeated you twice. He tested positive. So I can understand if you say like, look, I just can't, you know, I hate the guy. I can't call it down the middle when it comes to John Jones. How do you, like when, when, I, when I'm about to ask you now about him saying he's going to vacate the title and his issues with the UFC, is it hard for you to be unbiased when it comes to John Jones? Because I can no. certainly understand why it would be. No, you know, my whole thing is with this Jones thing is, you know, we have, we've obviously had our issues and those things are going to continue, but if if he does something that's admirable, oh, absolutely, I can speak to it. If he does something that is bad, I can speak to it. I, it it's not. I don't. I think they're like, man. I, I tell you, man. Today, when I saw that video of Jones, because it popped on ESPN MMA, I said, "Good for Jones." Like, good for Jones. Like, if you have a chance to protect your city and don't, you know. Don't walk up and be f- fragile and, and, and afraid because people don't – he goes, give me the spray can, right? Like, give it to me. And the guy did it because the people that are out there in those masks hidden behind their, hiding behind their faces, they're, they're afraid. They're not going to fight him and try to go and vandalize things in his city uh, when he's in their face. It, I can honor – I can give him credit for the things that he does well, but also if he does something uh, that I don't agree with, I will say that too. You know, but yeah, I feel like I can speak uh, as okay. unbiased as I can be. So what a mess this has turned into, right? Um, it's now escalated to the point where yesterday he said, I'm vacating my title. I'm walking away. And until you guys want to re-engage and pay me for a super fight like Izzy, like Nganu, I'm just going to chill out here. Do you believe him when he says this? Because let's be honest, we've seen guys say, I'm retired, I'm done, this and that, and then they come back. How do you feel about this latest message from him? So this is what I think, and this is so crazy. I believe that he is more serious about walking away because in all those times that he was suspended and hurt and all that other stuff are gone, he kind of learned to live without that belt. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because – for a long time, he held the belt when he beat me the first time for so long that when he lost that belt, he probably thought his world was ending. But then he was gone for two years. And life probably didn't seem all that different. So he's probably looking at life right now 
in understanding that if I walk away from this belt, is my life really going to change all that much? And uh, I think that gives him comfort in being able to say the things that he's saying. Um, so I think, I think, I think to a degree he does believe, uh, I, I do believe that he's, he's serious. Here's what we know. John Jones wants to get paid more if he moves up to heavyweight. His stance is, if you're going to pay me the same amount that you paid me to fight Dominic Reyes or Chago Santos, what's the point? How am I incentivized to move up and fight a, a, a guy yeah. like, like Francis Ngannou? We know as he revealed last week that he gets around $5 million per fight and that he wants a bump. We don't know what that bump means. We don't know what it equals out to. Dana White said Deontay Wilder money he asked for, which is around $30 million, which is what he made his last fight. Then John comes back and says, I never said Deontay Wilder. So we've got this weird back and forth going on where then Dana is saying he's talking to Hunter Campbell, who's, you know, essentially, if you want to break it down like this in the UFC, Dana White is the president slash owner of the UFC. Hunter Campbell's like the GM, right? He's the one who makes the deals. He's the one who, who, who's negotiating, right? He's, he's chief legal counsel, but he's really doing like the day-to-day deals. And it seems like they have a good relationship, but this back and forth on Twitter, text message, this and that, best of my knowledge, DC, they haven't even sat down and like really negotiated. So why is it coming to this? Well, you got egos, right? Both of these yeah. guys are, are, have, have big egos. You know, not many people stand up Dana White in this way. And uh, John Jones feels as though he's so valuable that Dana White shouldn't stand up to him in that way. So, uh, any, you know, I, I feel like anytime it's, it's more public than normal. But if you think negotiations in football, baseball, basketball don't resemble this, well, I'm walking away. And then they come back to the table. Well, I'm walking away. And they come back to the table. You're insane. It happens at every level in every single sport, just not as publicly, right? It's hidden behind a whole bunch of beautiful words. When the when the NBA Players Association goes, we're walking away, somebody talks to Woj, Woj wraps it up in a beautiful bow, and then the owners talk to Woj, and then Woj wraps it in a beautiful bow, presents it to ESPN and SportsCenter. We're, it's the same thing that's going on. But there's just a big difference publicly, here, right? Because but not it, filtered. It's just right. not filtered. Sure. They're, but this is a filtering it to... through the media. They're, you think that those guys, you don't think that there's been a time where Mark Cuban, you know how upset he gets at times, doesn't right. yell at one of his players and go, ah, you, know, you can go to another team, we'll trade you. And then right. they come back to the table. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, and also worth noting, Dana White and John Jones have been butting heads for eight years, right? Stemming from the fact that mm-hmm. John was supposed to fight Dan Henderson at UFC 151. Henderson gets injured. Chael Sonnen says, I'll do it. 10 days notice. John says, no, they canceled the event. Since that moment, they've never had a good relationship. Let's be yeah. honest, right? Mm-hmm. They've never seen eye to eye. And John has given them a lot of reasons not yeah. to, to be on his side, right? And they've, for the most part, had his back. But let's also be honest, it's in their best interest to have his back. He's very valuable to the company. He's probably the third highest paid fighter on the roster right now. He's, you know, champion for nine years. So they'll do business with him because... It's good for them to do business. But here's the thing. Here's my greatest lesson out of all of this, and I want to get your take on it because you know about this intimately. The greatest lesson in all of this is the system, as far as the way you guys are contracted, is broken. And what I mean by that is, John Jones said, you promised me that if I moved up to heavyweight, you would give me a bump in pay. Well, that shouldn't 
be the way it works. It should be in writing. Enough of these promises, enough of these handshakes, enough of all this stuff. That might work for some, but hey, when when pandemics hit, when times get tough, they'll be like, no, we're just going to pay you what's on your contract. And the problem is that the he has a six-fight deal. He has six fights left on his contract, right? So they can very legally say, you're going to fight for what's on your deal. Well, historically, they'll change deals, they'll re-up, they'll renegotiate. There's no real like there's no system here. It doesn't work. That's why you don't hear LeBron James. That's why, you, look, look at the Scottie Pippen situation that we had with the last dance. He couldn't get out of that deal. He signed it. He had to abide by it. He had to respect it. In MMA, it's all very willy-nilly. Backroom deals, locker room deals. We're going to sign you to a 10-fight deal, but then we're going to renegotiate. If you want it to change, John Jones, managers, fellow fighters, you have to get it in writing. And then it ends it. You know, when he said they promised him a bump and pay, two his credit, right? He's fighting for that. Great. Two, the UFC's credit. First thing Dana said was, if a guy goes, I want some more money. If I want a little more money, then okay. But when you start doubling, we talked about this a few weeks ago. You start doubling, tripling, quadrupling your pay. Now it's different. When Dana says, if you want a little bit more money, it's not $500,000. It's not $100,000. He's talking millions of dollars in John Jones's case. You have to understand that. Ariel, I'm going to tell you this right now. I won the belt in 2015. This was when Conor McGregor was becoming the man, right, and truly changing the pay structure of the UFC. People want to not give Conor credit for it, but guys, would if a guy made a million dollars back in the day, it was massive. Hmm. Conor McGregor, he blew the roof off in terms of what MMA fighters could make. Um, I won the belt in 2015. I got me a good contract, and I told Damon Lorenzo, I said, hey, I don't plan on losing the belt, but if I do, I go at least make my pay three hundred grand." You remember when former champions used to make $300,000, and mm-hmm. it was like a pretty good contract? That's my contract today, mm-hmm. $300,000 as the challenger, because luckily for me, I never lost that belt. So I had that same contract making all that money from 2015 to 2019. So when it's time for me, to go and negotiate my fight purse for my fight against Stipe Miocic? You think today I want to make $300,000 to fight? No. Do you think I'm going to make $300,000 to fight? No, because I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to talk to them. And we've had uh, beginning conversations, and they're going to take care of you. It's just a matter of how you approach the conversation. And I think that if, if Jones... I'm telling you, man, like I'm telling you as a guy that deals with it, if I made, you know, $3 million or $4 million for a fight, they're not going to take me back to $300,000. Hell, they may give me the same amount of money. It's just the way that you approach a fight or a, a, a negotiations is very key in this because, again, you got fighters. These aren't. They, you, you got these are fighters, you know, and and I think that they can still make this thing work. I just think that you got to find the right number, and I think well, that'll that, happen. That's the problem. Someone was asking me this last night on Sports Center. Michael Leaves said, "Okay, what does John want?" We don't know. He hasn't said it. And I think Dana that's won't what John, say it. Well, I think I well, I think when you so okay, I process elimination. You want right. not take all the money, but he says no. That's the, stop. That's thirty million dollars. John said half of Deontay. Well, I, didn't John say something about maybe he wanted half? He hasn't. He hasn't pinned down any number. He really. Somebody hasn't. said something about half of Deontay Wilder's number. 
but then that will put you on the $15 million range. Then you start working either back, forward, or in the middle of that number, and there you got it. But think, John admitted to making $5 million a fight, right? You start working back half of $15 million, now you're sitting at $7, $8 million. I am not, I am almost 100% certain the UFC would pay a seven, eight million dollar base for him to go fight Francis. And if, if he's such a big star and it's going to do so well, then maybe the pay per view will get you to the number that you want to be, right? If it, if it has as much intrigue as people are saying it does, if, and then that's on the fans, right? It's on the fans who are supporting you in this fight to go out and purchase the pay per view. And when they do, now you make all the money that you need. That's, right. that's, that's how I feel. Like, and and look, I feel like we're doing a better job of negotiating for them than they are at this point. I don't think he's. Hey, I don't think he's wrong. The guy really understands his value, and he's going to stick to his guns. Good for you. But I also think that is just a. I think it. This happens at every level and with every single sport, just not as publicly. Look, uh, people are comparing Wilder to him. Like, reportedly, Wilder Fury two did around eight hundred, eight hundred fifty thousand. That's the same number that you versus him did the second time, right? So but, say- but, but that's, again, Wilder Fury. I think everybody needs a, a partner, right? I know what I made sure, with Jones sure. the second time and the first time, opposed to what I made against Alexander Gustafson and those guys. Well, I'm just saying you can't, like, pick and choose. Like, take Wilder's best fight, which is or biggest fight, the Fury fight. Yep. Take his biggest fight, which happened to be you four years ago or whatever yep. it was, and then compare. You can't compare Wilder Fury to to Jones Reyes is not the same. So, so do you, so you're saying take the best case scenario in, in hope or believe that Nganu Jones does better than what we did. I think Nganu Jones, if promoted correctly, maybe isn't as big as you guys. Cause there's not the same heat there. It takes two to tango in terms of, you know, talking and building it up. And you guys had some serious bad blood, but if you build it up, the Francis Nganu is an absolute truck, right? I mean, this guy is annihilating people in 20 seconds, has won four in a row. We haven't seen a guy like this in the heavyweight division since Mike Tyson, and he's going up against the undefeated, undisputed champion moving up to the heavyweight division who's never been knocked down, who's never been, you know, beat up, blah, 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 who's never lost, right, unofficially. Yeah, for Um, sure. That's a sellable fight. All right, here we go. Let me give you some more insight that I probably shouldn't share. Please. Boston, 2018, Daniel versus Vulcan, Francis versus Stipe, same thing, right? Uh, the biggest, strongest, fastest dude that's ever been, two championship fights, and Jeremy, uh, who else fought? A ton of people fought on that fight card. We sold maybe 400,000 pay-per-views, maybe 400,000. For all that, so yeah, but that was in the old pay per view model. So, are you versus Francis isn't the same as Jones versus Francis? So, you think that it's going to double? You think that it's going to double? Well, look, hey, I didn't expect expect two forty nine to do seven hundred. That's an absurd number for two. Yeah, but I don't even know if two four. Yeah, but if so, first sport back in all those months is two fifty going to do the same type of number? No, is fifty one going to do the same number? Fifty two. It's first thing back in a long time. So it's like. You got to keep things in perspective. And I think that to expect that um, you put those guys into the octagon and all of a sudden it, it's going to do gangbusters unless something crazy happens, right? Jones and I did those crazy numbers, one, because of the bad blood, also because we went to the first fight. We were both undefeated. The press conference fight, all the lobbing insults back and forth, like that's why all that happened. But do you think for a second I haven't tried to recreate those types of things with other opponents? Oh, it no, doesn't it's- just work like that. Sure, it, sure. It takes 
it takes like a, it's almost lightning in a bottle. The only person that can recreate that over and over is Connor. He's the only one that's been able to do that time and time again. So it takes a little bit more than people going, oh, my goodness, these are two good fighters we're all going to watch. It just doesn't work like that. All I'll say is, from my perspective, you may feel otherwise. I feel like the system is broken. I feel like it's weighted too much in favor of the promoter. And I'm not just talking about the UFC. I'm talking about Bellator, every promotion. The fact that you can fight uh, today, sign a six-fight deal, uh, have a stinker of a fight in your first fight on that deal, and then get cut, and they don't owe you anything afterwards is wrong. But you can sign a six-fight deal, knock out the dude in six seconds, and become a megastar all over sports center in the world, and you can't technically renegotiate. Now, they will renegotiate in good faith if you're you know, a good dude and they'll, they'll, they'll hook you up, this and that. But that system is broken because then they could go back and be like, look at the contract, look what it says. Hey, you got six more fights here, buddy. And even if you sit out and you sit out till 2030, it's not like the contract expires, right? It's not like you still owe them those six fights. Same thing happened with Randy Couture back in the day, 2007, right? He wanted to fight Fedor. He retired. Eventually, he came back when Brock Lesnar emerged. And so I would love to see, and I don't know how it happens, the system change. And oh, by the way, something's brewing here, DC. Henry Cejudo walks away. Why? Unhappy with his pay. John Jones, unhappy, right? Izzy was unhappy very recently. You know, all I'm saying is something really interesting is happening here. I don't know how it turns out. I don't know if it gets fixed, but we haven't seen this kind of unrest with the top 1% of the UFC in terms of talent in quite some time. No, you're, you're right. You know, and normally uh, when people start, when people started trying to fight for change with all that, it was guys that were pretty much done. When you start getting those, those champions like that, it will make the UFC take notice. The reality is though, Every single sport in the world, Ariel, is not guaranteed money. You know, so you can go play a football. You can get a hundred. Basketball is. What do you mean? You can get yeah, baseball, but you can get a hundred million dollar contract in the NFL. NFL and if you different. play like garbage, yep. you're out. Yep. Right. So it's not just the UFC. You know. So uh, and I'm not just saying. I want to be clear. There's Same guaranteed money. There's guaranteed money in the NFL, and then there's your actual contract. And if you get that guarantee, if your guaranteed money is low. And you play bad, then you're out. I mean, yeah. so Jameis Winston from the Buccaneers, I don't know if his contract expired or if they they cut him because Tom Brady went and now he signed with the Saints. He's not making what he made last year in Tampa Bay. So it's not just the UFC. Yeah, and again, I want to say I'm not just pinning this on the UFC. Bellator is the same. Or Bellator, it's not just the U. It's not just MMA. MMA, yes, not yes. just MMA. I think the system it's, is uh, broken. More sports. Yeah, but uh, so we'll see how it plays out. This is changing every single day. It's a fascinating story. What's that? Yeah. Boom. Hey, listen. It's not just MMA, so you need to chill. Hey, but it is in the NBA. <laughs> you need to chill. It is in the NBA. You need to chill. It is. It is in Major League Baseball in the NHL. Baseball, baseball and NBA. Yeah. NHL but, too. But well, I mean. You picked one league. I'm picking three. Who wins yeah, the argument? You need to chill. I won the argument. Ah, Hercules, Hercules. Hey, listen, Hercules. I'm on the side of the fighters for life. I'm All on right. the side of the fighters. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't you try to do that. Oh, I cannot believe what you just tried to do. Hey, I just. I just I, oh my goodness. What? I just you said I'm on the side it. of the you fighters. Say that. I'm like I'm not. No, I'm, oh listen. I just said I'm on the side of the fighters. That's oh all. This may be the shortest episode of DC Nelwani is. Take it back. Take it back. I didn't say I'm on the side of the fighters. Don't try to make it. Take it back. Be like, okay, DC, you're on the side of the fighters too. 
you take are a leader. You are take a leader in the rocker room. <laughs> Am I on the side of the fighters? Take it back, Ariel. You are. You are. All right. Take it back. Take Daniel it back. Cormier is on the side of the fighters. All right. There you go. Don't do it. I cannot believe he tried to do that to me. As am I. I just wanted to say <laughs> We all know the fighters are on the side of the fighters, but it's unclear about the media. So I just very scary what you just tried to pull on me. Like I'm on the side of the fighters. Like, but I'm just I try to be logical in everything. That's what. Wait, wait, wait. What are you trying to say? I'm not logical. Well, no, yeah, but you like you try to be like you know. I speak the facts. You're you're kind of the kid on the playground where two kids start arguing, and then you take like a stick, right, and say, hey, man, if this guy knocks the stick off of your shoulder, he's talking about your family. And so the kid knocks the stick off the shoulder, and then they start fighting. Like, you're that dude. What did I say that would lead you to say this right now? Like, you're like, hey, DC, John Jones was like, And then I'm like, what? And then you go to John Jones and be like, yo, DC was like, And then I'm like, what? You're calling me an instigator. Oh, I, hey. From one instigator to the other. Why do you think we became friends? Why do you think it's so easy? All I do is instigate. I once made Rudy Cruz and Rosendo Sanchez box. I was able to get them to box. I have it on video before one of my fights. That's what we do, Ariel. It's okay, though. I love it. I speak it's the very truth. entertaining. If you want to call that instigating, you want to call that stirring the pot, so be it. All I'll say is, I'm on the side of the fighters. Yeah, power now, to the people, man. That's to right. The people, dog. That's right. The fighters. Now, we've been talking a lot about money on today's program, certainly uh, over the last few minutes. So let's uh, keep that theme rolling along here, DC, because it is time to pay the bills. And today, we got two sponsors. Two sponsors. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. First up, our good friends over at DraftKings, DC. This Saturday, as you know, UFC 250 is starting off the June sports calendar with a bang. The fighters are eager to get in the octagon, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at a million dollars because nothing makes a UFC event more exciting than when you have skin in the game with DraftKings. And for a limited time, DraftKings is offering both new and existing users a deposit bonus of up to $500. Now, this is what you have to do. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code Ariel. By the way, why is the promo code Ariel and not DC and Hawani or Ariel and DC? Seems like... You know, Seems like Ariel brings all the boys to the yard. You know what I'm saying? You know? Anyway, to get a free shot at a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, to get a free shot at a million dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And... Shout out to our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. I saw them all draped around the apex on Saturday, but we yeah, know looking beautiful. Modelo's favorite is DC and Helwani. They're friends. Modelo's brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Modelo's the official beer of the UFC and partners with UFC 250 headliner Amanda Nunes. She's got the fighting spirit, which means never giving up even when the odds are against you, because great fighters are like great beers. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of. Modelo has been the gold standard since 1925. Modelo is a crisp Pilsner-style lager that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Modelo uses premium hops to give the golden lager its crisp taste. So when you're watching Amanda Nunes 
at UFC 250, going up against Canada's own, the Phenom, the Pride oh, of Montreal, Canada. Alicia Spencer, <laughs> the math teacher. Make sure you have a Chris Modelo Especial within reach. Modelo, rude for those with a fighting spirit. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Now, DC. Yes. You got some things to discuss because I think that you are on fire. Okay. I think this is going to be the summer of DC. I think oh, your so. Q rating has never been higher. You're killing it on this show. You're killing it on ESPN. You're killing it at the events. I mean, you might be right now the most liked fighter in the promotion. Oh, no. I mean, you're just oozing greatness. But I got a bone to pick with you. Yes. I'm actually mad at you. What? You ended the broadcast. I may have buried the lead here, but we had some other important things to discuss. Oh, yeah. You ended the broadcast. I, I get that we, we are victims of the moment. We get caught up in it. No, it's, it's, I know where you're going and I absolutely believe you it. You ended the broadcast. I absolutely believe Gilbert it. Gilbert Burns beat Tyron Woodley. It was yes. a great, great performance. He's a threat. He's now won six in a row. He's, he's looking good at 170. He's coming off the win over Damian Mai. He's won eight of nine. You guys ended the broadcast pushing this narrative, pushing this agenda that Gilbert Burns should be fighting for the belt next in absolutely. what planet? On what universe does Gilbert Burns deserve to leapfrog over Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. eight in a row, who's won eight in a row, Jorge Masvidal, the BMF champ who just sold out Matt Skrigar, knocked out Ben Askren, knocked out Darren Till, the fighter of 2019. Come on, DC. Hey, I was actually mad. Hey, I was watching that. All right. I was, I was disappointed in you. Ariel, I, I, so I can't believe I, this is the thing, right? So like, I can't believe you don't see it. I can't believe you see don't what? see it. Like, First off, the victories that he has put together, now since going to 170, amazing. Leon Edwards, Rocky, one of my buddies who used to train at AK with us, very deserving. But mm-hmm. I think that Leon becomes a victim of the moment, right? A victim of what's going on in the world today. Can't get into the country. Can't figure a way for him. Fight and- Island. Yes. Can't figure, can't figure out a way for them to fight. That's the only reason Rocky's out of it. Masvidal, I don't know if... They're even – look, I was talking to Ali the other day, and Ali said, man, th- this negotiation with the Masvidal fight has been very difficult, right? So I'm I'm speaking in terms of uh, of, of what I know from the back side, from mm-hmm. Usman's manager, and also what I had just seen. And but also, why has it been difficult? Uh, you know, the money situation with, with Masvidal. They don't – honestly, the Usman team doesn't really even feel – as though Masvidal's a real threat. They call him, they think he's a journeyman. Oh, come on. I think Masvidal's a journeyman. That's disrespectful. You see, now you're carrying their water. No, you're I'm not carrying, carrying their, their water. water. I'm just telling you what. Well, well then tell I'm the world that Ali represents Gilbert Burns and Usman. So, of course, he wants yes, them to fight. But each listen, other. but this was, no, this was before the Burns fight because I was trying to figure out what was going to happen with Usman, right? But then when they tell me the, the, the negotiations is very difficult for Masvidal, they think Usman is going to would, would walk through him. But I'm also thinking Masvidal was talking about Nate last week, right? Like Masvidal was talking about Nate last week or talking about Connor. I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like these guys want to fight. So we have to move to the next thing. Leon Edwards, by process of elimination, right? Leon Edwards can't get into the country. And then we just saw Burns do that. And then Burns, the team, Eric, teammates, these are things that you would love. Like you and you're messy. You're so messy. Yeah. You're, you're so messy. You would love for love them to it. fight his teammates. Why am I messy? 
That's what you do. You just, you just did it. You're no. like, oh, you're carrying the water. No, I'm just using my source like you use your source to repeat something that I was told. It's what I was told. Listen, I don't want – I've never advocated for teammates to fight. I didn't advocate for John Fitch to fight Koshchuk. If they want to, go ahead. But they didn't want to. So this but is unprecedented. Story, All I'm like, saying is – I mean, you love the, you love the story. Like, two guys training in two separate parts of the gym. Yeah, I couldn't care less. I want the top guys to get their title fights. I want the guys to get what they deserve. Again, Are you telling me after watching Gilbert Burns yesterday, that's not a worthy title challenger? 100%. You see, that's the problem. I say this and people are like, you hating on Gilbert Burns. You're hating on the dominance MMA guys. No, but just because someone did something on May 30th doesn't mean that he should leapfrog the guy who's won eight in a row. Doesn't mean that he should leapfrog the guy who was the 2019 fighter of the year, who I knocked out Ben Askren, who knocked out Darren Till, who beat up Nate Diaz at MSG. What are we talking about here? Ori Masvidal is very worthy challenger. He's a very worthy challenger. But if these two sides... Dude, we're just talking about it with, with John and Dana. If the two sides can't come to terms to make a fight, then you move on. It does not seem like these two guys want to fight each other. Well, why are you saying that Masvidal is the problem? It could be Usman. No, I'm not saying it's Masvidal. Because well. Masvidal told me last week that Usman was the he, problem. Masvidal so said that the fight, Masvidal said that his fight contract's done. So mm. maybe it's on the other side. I don't know what it is, but the only side, I don't talk to Masvidal's team. You do. So you can tell me what that side says. I can tell you what the other side says because I'll tell you the truth. The truth is both sides are giving them problems. Right. So yeah, it's so if both sides are given issues in terms of money, they can't make the fight. Go to the next thing. You got a dude that's willing. He's like, I just fought twenty five minutes, I'm not hurt at all. I'm ready to go. Now what about Fight Island that you talked about? You got the inside scoop. Yeah, man. If they're gonna do if if Usman is going to Fight Island, I'm not walking it back. I, I know what I saw Saturday night, though. I saw the number one contender in the world. Okay, so you're saying, so now you're saying clearly that if international is open, you're still advocating for. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm walking it back. I'm not walking it back. Ariel, I'm not walking it back. Ariel. Yeah. Leon Edwards, he bled and sweat at the American Kickboxing Academy. In I Santa love Bay, Leon Edwards, bro. I love Leon. But like, Wait, listen, I Leon, respect you now because now you're proving that you are unbiased. You're I love Leon, bro. I love Leon. Leon and Kamaru have fought before, too, right? Yes. Like, rematch. And, yep. They fought before, and and I would I thought Leon did good, really good against Usman. He just kept getting taken down. Um, Different Leon times. Presents a, Leon presents a real problem for Usman if he has to stay on the feet with them. Dudes as sharp as they come. Um, but man, I was watching Gilbert Burns, and I was like, wow, what happened? Like, I don't, I've never seen Dorino look like that. My jujitsu coach goes, Dorino's always been a hardworking guy since he was a kid. Leandro, he goes, but now everything's come together. He looks, he looks amazing. Dude wasn't even breathing heavy by the end of the fifth round, beating Tyron Woodley, a guy that defended the belt. He was in six straight championship fights. He no, it's incredible. Him. Take nothing away from him. He is a top player. This is what I would do. If it was up to me, you do Masvidal Usman. We've been talking about this fight for six months. They had the incident. I love the, the heat Bowl. on that fight too. Such great heat, man. It's amazing. Do Masvidal Usman. Then you give Leon Edwards the option. Leon, you've won eight in a row. In a normal world, you probably should be fighting for the belt next, but we've got this Masvidal situation. All right, you want to wait, right? You want to wait? You can wait for the winner. If not, you want to fight, you're fighting Gilbert Burns next for the number one contender spot. Oh, that's such a dangerous fight for anybody, man. You got to do it. If you want to fight, you got to fight. Gilbert is next, right? Gilbert should be fighting in a number one contender fight, not oh. in the title fight. And then if... Edward says, I want to wait and not fight. Who are you going to have Gilbert fight? You're going to have oh, Gilbert Cummings. fight the guy that he called out back in March, Colby Covington. Easy. 
I just fixed the problem for you. Oh, but yeah, you guys yeah. on the broadcast. You know what's so crazy? Like, it's, like, rah, rah, rah. it's just crazy, though, because, like, you watch these guys, right? And it's not like, for us, you know, Rocky's won eight in a row, and he's looked phenomenal. Like, he's got everything going. I think Max Holloway had won ten fights in a row before he got a title fight at Featherweight. Like, yeah, sometimes true. that happens. Some Like, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, Ariel, that happens. Yeah. So, if... The guy got screwed. He was supposed to fight then, Woodley hey, March 21st. They, Yes, but there and, and bro, and if he would have fought Woodley on March twenty first, we'd probably be like, hey, if he did that to Tyron, I'd be like, hey man, it's time for Rocky to get his title shot. Yeah, especially it's if you were calling for, the fights. It's time for Rocky to get his title fight. Just like Bisming said, what about my boy Edwards? I get it. He's <laughs> the man. Leon's the man. But it's like, man, I'm sorry. It's, I think he's a he's a victim of circumstance. Like Leon's a victim of circumstance and So you're just passing uh, up game bread, huh? No. That's the fight. That's the fight. We've, we've all known that's the fight, the Super Bowl incident. The, but, I mean, even, hey, Maz, who, who has a problem with any of these fights? Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, too. They all have heat in that division, which makes for a great situation because you got all these great fighters all jumbled up. But I think, man, I'm not walking it back. I, I don't – and I don't know if – because I don't know, like, if I'm watching the fights, I don't know if Gilbert Burns won't beat Kamaru Usman after watching the way he oh, fought. He, he looks amazing. I mean, he is so good, man. I'm like, this dude, I've never seen anything like it. I was like, he what, went 25 minutes, he wasn't even breathing heavy. What was the story of the fight in your opinion? How good he looked or what Tyron didn't do? Like, Bro, what has happened to Tyron? I keep thinking Ten like... 10 straight rounds now. I just keep thinking like when people do that, we got to be careful. I said this on broadcast, like, let's not take away from what Gilbert did by going, OT Wood didn't do this. And this. Okay. He couldn't. He couldn't. Maybe the guy's just better right now. I think... The fights, the fighters, where at times you were a counter striker and all that, it's a little bit hard in today's world because guys are so active. These dudes put out some activity in fights now, and Gilbert Burns is that dude. I don't, I don't know how many strikes he threw, but he could look like he can go another three rounds. How do you make sense of this Tyron Woodley situation? Is it just that he got old? He's thirty-eight. It happens. What happened? I thought Tyron looked good physically. I thought physically he looked good. Looked like he was a little slimmer, right? Like a little yep, bit, yep. like a little bit more, like like in shape. I think. I think the fight changed when the guy hurt him. When the guy hurt him early, he realized, like, oh my goodness, like he Tyron is the guy with the right hand that when it lands, you go down. But he got. I don't think I've ever seen him get dropped like that. Like I remember when he was getting beat up by Nate Marquardt in Strikeforce. He was all beaten, bruised. But I think the fight was stopped. With did the fight get stopped with, against Marquardt? Woodley. He did, yeah, yep. But he was still standing inside of the octagon, right? He just yep. was getting beat. Um, when he got beat by Rory McDonald, he got outpointed. He got beat up, but he never went down. When he got beat by uh, Usman, never went down. Like, he has mm-hmm. never gone down. This guy put him down in the first minute and a half of the fight. So it's not only Gilbert Burns' ability to go hard, it's also his ability to hurt people. And I just think that he might be a little bit better than T right now. And, you know, I, I love Tyron Woodley. I've worked with him for years, and He's so smart. And even listening to him talk to Dean and, and Coach uh, uh, Duke Rufus, he was still there, right? He was still there. He was still trying to put himself back in there. He was in great shape physically. In the fifth round, he was still letting things go, but he just couldn't really keep up with that dude. I have a lot of respect for the way he handled it. He showed up on on Instagram Live afterwards, yeah, said, you know, man. you don't just show up when you win. You show up when you lose as well. Uh, I'm curious to see where he goes from here. He is 38. And that's 10 straight rounds that he lost. And so it's really 38 interesting. 38, though? 38? 
38. Like the best year of my entire career was at 39. He can yeah. still rebuild himself. 100%. I was talking to my nephew yesterday. I said, here's the issue with us as we get older, right? You can go out and fight a guy on one night and win a belt, I believe. I really believe that. I believe that all these great champions, I believe if George St. Pierre came back today, how old is George? 33 years old at this point, probably? No, no, he's around the same age as Tyron. I think he's 39. Okay, so if George came back and he was right away in a title fight, yeah. I believe George could for one night put a fight together and beat sure. uh, uh, Usman or, or Israel Asanya or one of those guys. But to go through all those guys and and build a run back to a title fight, for me too, would be difficult. If I wasn't fighting for the belt right back, there's no way I could go through guy after guy after guy after guy to build myself back into a title fight. You got to be honest with yourself. So as you get older, it's not about um, if you can still compete. It's your ability to compete on any given night with the skills that you had over the course of your career. And I think that's what's happening with T. It's going to be very difficult now for Tyron to try to get back into a title fight. It's just hard. It's really interesting because um, of the four events that have happened since the pandemic, right, the three in Jacksonville and this one, the underdog has won the main event. But most importantly, and I don't know if there's a correlation here, but we've seen now Ferguson and Woodley, who were supposed to fight at the beginning of all of this, who now had to extend their training camps, new fresh guy steps in, and you see them both look flat. Maybe because they had to be training for too long. They didn't know. There was uncertainty. I thought there was some parallels between what Justin Gaethje did to Ferguson and what Gilbert Burns did to uh, Tyron Woodley. Now, let me ask you, because you're one of the few people that were at the Jacksonville events and now the Vegas ones. Seemed like Vegas was very strict. Whole different oh. scene, right? It was real strict. Man, one time I got up to go to the bathroom and you weren't supposed to go without your mask, right? Like you had to put your mask on anytime you got away from your table because, you know, we were behind those glass. We had yeah. like a, a glass shield in front of us because we were the only people in the arena allowed to be there with no mask so that we could talk about the fights. And Joe Martinez, when he went in the octagon, had, he could take his mask off. But the moment he walled back down the thing, put it back on. Wow. So one time I got up to go to the bathroom. And I didn't have my mask. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I panicked, right? I panicked because I was going to go into the bathroom. And so I pulled my shirt over and went into Dana's office to use the bathroom because I hadn't used the bathroom all night. Because if I would have gotten – if one of the commissioners would have seen I'd have been in trouble. But that was just an honest mistake because yeah. it's it's normal. You got to go pee real quick. You get up and you run. But, yeah, man, it was very strict. It was very strict. And What did you like better? Honestly – Bro, this is crazy. I, I love being at the Apex. I think it's built for these things. Mm -hmm. um, I love the smaller octagon. I did like the arena feel in Jacksonville, like still being in the big building. And, different, yeah. Yeah, it still felt like a, a, a big UFC event, even though there weren't people in there. But I thought I think the Apex is beautiful. I think it's set up for these moments. And I, I liked it. But, you know, because of the Apex and it's so, so much smaller, just those – 50 people that were in the building, it made it feel like there were people there, mm. right? So you can hear people kind of clapping and, and cheering and hooping and hollering a little bit more. It just didn't seem as empty because it wasn't as big. I liked it. Yeah, it's wild to see you guys sitting in front of the plexiglass and <laughs> everyone wearing the masks and everything. I was wondering, how come Brandon Fitzgerald and Michael Bisping wear a tie, but you don't wear a tie? Um, Just another one of those situations where I just – hey – 
when when there's doubt, do as Joe Rogan does. If Joe Rogan doesn't wear a tie, I'm not wearing a tie. I'm just doing what Rogan does. I mean, Rogan, one of the richest men that we know. Rogan's the richest guy I know. So it's like, when I'm in doubt, I do what Joe Rogan does. Rogan doesn't wear a tie, I don't wear a tie. If Joe Rogan shows up with a tie, then I'll start wearing a tie. Okay, so that's... What about the pants on? Because I, I feel like you're getting slimmer by the day here. So the pants seem to be the, the, a little bit looser. Yeah, and the shirt was looser. <laughs> like it all just seems like you're shrinking in front of our eyes. Come on, man, don't do that. Oh, me, I mean, just little old me, you know. It's okay. But it's over okay. there, like, so they're very strict, right? You can't leave the hotel, bro. All day. I got here on Wednesday. I had to get here Wednesday because I had to get tested Wednesday in order to work on Friday. Right. That's the way you do it. And then on Friday, you get tested again to work on Saturday. But once you get tested on Friday, you are not allowed to leave the hotel. So I was I I would on Wednesday. I got here. I went to the UFCPI, worked out. and I thought that wasn't open. Well, it is open. But once you when I got here Wednesday, I worked out at the hotel. But then because I got tested on Thursday, I was able to go work out at the PI. You can only work out at the PI. If you got tested and you get your results back uh, and you're, uh, you're negative. So I went to the PI, did my rehab, uh, was able to train. And then uh, Friday, I went early to do all my stuff because tests were done at 7 p.m. If you missed that test at 7 p.m., you could not go on the floor at the apex. So I needed to be here by 7. I got my test done at 6.30. And then once you're done at that, at that, that test, you are not allowed to leave the hotel until you get on the bus to go to the arena. Like so that's how, what'd you do in the room? Were you bored? I played video games and I, I just Oh, you brought of, your thing with you? I brought my Xbox and and honestly, like I got a TV too because my TV was too small. I, I got a big TV from Walmart and uh What do you mean? You went to Walmart in Vegas? No, I didn't go to Walmart. I got it. You can get anything delivered here. You can get anything delivered in this place. Wait a second. So, so you got to your hotel and you're like, this TV is too small. I need to get well, a new TV? Yeah, because then I can't win, right? Like I, I was playing in Jacksonville on the hotel TV and I just kept getting beat because the men were too small on NBA 2K. I'm, I'm, I'm very protective of my NBA 2K record. So I, uh, I ordered a TV. They brought it. I got. I, I still got all the boxing and everything, so I'm going to return it when I'm done. What? <laughs> it is what it is, man. Hey, you can take the man out the ghetto, but at times you can't take the ghetto out the man. You know, it's, it's not you an expensive. You just incriminated yourself. They're going to know. Uh, it's not an expensive TV, but it, it's bigger, and, I, and I've been playing my game. And, and then the, 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 the uh, hotel boosted my internet so that I could stream. What, just for you? PlayStation into my room and I play on the TV and then he plays on the TV next to me and we play co-op uh Tom Clancy's the division. So man. I did that. And then I prepared for the show. Like you think I just go to the show and it, all this charm just takes over? I all this know. job I, mean, I prepare. You think I don't prepare? No, no. I just I didn't know. I mean you can't just prepare, you know, twenty four hours a I day. I, I play video games, bro. I'm like it's like it's this crazy. is your dream. You don't have your wife walking by going <laughs> <laughs> Oh silly. <laughs> No guilt trips. I'm still playing video games. <laughs> this is amazing because you're going to be there for like ten days now. I'm going to be here again for uh, today's Monday till next Sunday. Are you like the week. only ones at the hotel at this point? Before the, the hotel was completely empty, I, it was just me and my 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 guys. Like that's it. <laughs> and then I think Aljamain Sterling might be here because he's fighting next week and he came early. And Mark Henry because Mark Henry coached somebody that's yeah. fighting next weekend too. So, but uh, like, who? 
Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Sanhagen. No, Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt. Cody yes. Garbrandt. Yeah, so it's like we uh we, we it's very empty because the UFC has this hotel I think for the next month, right? Like yeah. all these fights in Vegas, they're the guy the fighters are staying here so um yeah, I just I just kind of hang out and I go train. Like me and my guys go train. We sparred in a room the other day. We took all the furniture out and then we just beat the crap out of each other in the living room. It was it was fun, you know, but had a little bit of a headache, but it was fun. But now that the event is over, like last night, are you able to go out? Yes. Now I, I can go tr- I can go do what I, I need to do. So when I'm done, I'm going to go train at 1230, and then I'm going to train this evening and go back to the PI and get some more rehab and, and physical therapy. And then uh, – and then um, so like, can, you, can you go eat? Can you go do something? Yeah, you can go, I mean, this, this whole town's almost open, but we're not really rushing to do all that stuff because even though, like, COVID-19 kind of got a head, swift head kick to the, to the face, you know, like, um, I'm still a little bit afraid of it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to like, like, you could go to like, uh, shows, escape. No shows, no shows, no shows that those things are all kind of closed. What about escape rooms? All closed. What? You told me last night. (laughs) (laughs) You told me, you know, I've been trying to lead you down the escape room path for the past five minutes. It'll never work. <laughs> All closed. Did you go to an escape room last night? No. Oh, okay. I thought I thought I thought maybe that's something you'd like to do. I've tried them. Very difficult for me though. Takes right. too much brain power. <laughs> <laughs> I hate escape rooms. You know, New York Rick, my old friend, he uh, loves escape room. I've, I've only done it once. It was um, awful. Yeah, I wasn't that good at it. You're no good at it. <laughs> You're really no good at it. You're really no good at it. It's the worst. It's, it's the hard, man. It's hard. It's frustrating. Hey, so what about? What, what, I was going to say, what about uh, the fact that I was right about Piotr Jan? No, I was the one. I was the one. You're going to take my credit? I Again. said Jose Aldo. I said Jose, yeah, you did. I said Jose Aldo. I was like, if you're going to make a fight, make it for Jose, make Jose Aldo. Well, again, I, I maintain that that's the wrong answer. But, you know, uh, Piotr's manager, Danny Rubenstein, was hitting me up like, oh, well, well you don't get it. Piotr Jan's going to make the bantamweight division great again, which is the worst slogan of all time. All I was saying <laughs> was make Corey Sanhagen versus Sterling the title fight and then have the winner fight. Yeah. Anyway, the point is it sounds like he's going to get the title fight. TBD, we don't know. There's a lot fight of – Fight Island, hopefully, huh? Did they Island. Go fight Island? Stylebender, hopefully coming back. What do you think of Stylebender's new haircut, by the way? What is, oh, the yellow? Yeah. Well, the blonde. It, it, it looks fine. I mean, he's a different guy, man. You know, Chris Brown and, and all them other dudes. Looks like Kyle Kevin Randleman. Coos. He's got the haircut like Coos. You know, it, it is what it is, man. He, he looks like a mix between Randleman, you know, the the old school Randleman with the uh, the blonde hair and Melvin Gillard. Yeah, it's, it's it's different. But, hey, man, to each his own. You know, I, I, I held on to a freaking receding hairline for – far too many years i didn't even realize how bald my hair had went until i put up that strike force video the other day of me fighting jeff munson i had a real nice fade at that time but it did yeah it went back quick that was 2011 so it's, i mean nine years that, this has been actually one of the best you know the the best byproducts of of this whole pandemic you finally saying goodbye you know, it was hard. It was it was so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. He <laughs> I got a great voice, boy. Wow, I can sing. Yeah, you're good. No, you're great. Um <laughs> by the way, uh last Wednesday I'm sitting at home. 
obviously, because I don't go anywhere. Although I did go to the still, bank. I went still. to a commercial establishment for the first time since March 12th. Uh, I had to go to the bank. I got to tell you. wear a mask? I wore a mask. I wore gloves. I freaking came <laughs> home. I took a shower. I was having heart palpitations. I had never, they're like, you have to sign this check. I'm like, sign the check. How? With this pen. I'm like, what? You want me to touch your pen right now? This is a nightmare. I'm like, I came back home. I said, I'm not doing that again for many, many months. Um, but Wednesday night, I'm sitting at home and people are like, you in DC got to talk about Mike Tyson showing up on AEW with Henry Cejudo, Vitor Belfort, and Sugar Rashad Evans. Cool, fun, a little weird that it took him so long to rip his T-shirt. But overall, <laughs> with all due respect, to Mike, Mike was doing like this. Yeah, what does he always do that? <laughs> I always feel I always feel like he's gonna snap and like actually punch the guy, right? Because you're never quite. Why, sure why Mike was doing that face? Mike was like, <laughs> it was awesome. Did it was like awesome. it. I liked it because the boys all walk down. You know, they're just it just. It just, I like that he's bringing all these guys into different situations, you know. It's fun. And, and Mike does really well in the professional wrestling arena. He always does. And uh, it's going to be fun. I, I didn't really watch as much to know exactly what he's doing. I know he was arguing with Chris Jericho, who yeah. still, to this day, is one of the best performers in the entire world. And Chris Jericho goes, sure, okay, Mike. Yeah, you look great. So what? Like, his Mike's got his shirt off finally, and Mike just like, jacked out and everything chris is like yeah you look great so what you know like chris jericho's the man but uh but was all that leading to this can't so be leading to this. well all the working out the videos all that Rafael cordero hitting it has mitts. To be something else right what it has to be something else it has, it has to be, to be something, something else. else yes i don't know exactly what it is but i think that a letdown time we'll figure it out we'll figure out why he's getting in shape like that or i don't know who's having a better time the past few months you or him like who who's you know, this is the summer of DC coming up. I feel it. But Mike Tyson is everywhere. Mike Tyson's the man, bro. Like, he is – I remember the first time I met him and he said, hey, DC, I'm a fan. I was like – I. it was before I fought and I was fighting Dan Henderson in the back at the UFC 173. Mm-hmm. And when he when I met Mike Tyson and knew who I was, I legitimately – my knees, like, kind of buckled a little bit. I could not believe that Mike Tyson knew who I was. It was the most – it was – Oh, that's crazy. That's still one of the ones that I've been more starstruck about. Legend. Yeah, absolute legend. So I'm curious to see how it pans out and if he actually wrestles or if this, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, by the way, I wanted to ask you about the Vegas thing. I forgot to ask you, what did you think of the new interview style? I, I like them. I, I like the interviews. You know, I understand that people like the, the traditional post-fight interview where you walk in there and the guys are all fired up. But with no crowd, with no crowd, guys aren't feeding off of that energy, right? So right. when they go out and they walk back to the interview zone, it gives them a little bit time to, to calm down and kind of process their answers better. I thought we got some great answers out of these people, uh, out of all the fighters on Saturday night. And I really liked it. I did. Is Rogan going to do it like that on Saturday? He has to. <laughs> if you think Joe Rogan – hey, listen, I love Joe. Like, you know, I said, if you think Joe's going to go into that octagon at the Nevada State Athletic Commission, you're out of your mind. They're not messing around. Dana wasn't even sitting cage side, right? He had to no. sit in the back because he didn't wear the mask. He sat they're in not the back. messing around. No, man, they're not playing. They're not playing with anyone. Like, so, uh, yeah, Joe's going to have to do it that way this Saturday. But it's okay. You get some great ones telling the dude, uh, Chris Gutierrez, that he was the front runner for uh... – Hey, how about that? First <laughs> Night, I was like, hey, I'll make the decision, but you if it was my choice, you'd be the front runner. And Bisman's like, well, Dan, they've only had one fight. 
<laughs> it was great. It was like when they were like, my was Roosevelt Roberts. Roosevelt Roberts has been cussing for the last minute. Yeah. And he goes, my bad, DC. I'm like, yo, you've been cussing the whole time. And Roosevelt Roberts is good, man. Yeah. He's good. He can fight. He can really fight. Roosevelt Roberts is the real deal. I there were a lot of great performances. Do you feel like the small cage leads to better fights, more finishes? Do you believe in that? And by the way, have you ever fought in a small cage? Strike Force was 26 feet. It's only one foot bigger than what we wow. have in the UFC. Wow. Strike so do you feel like? One. I didn't even realize that. I, honestly, man, honestly, you can see it, but I don't think I've ever really felt a difference. I just felt like I was in the cage fighting. Yeah. I had no idea I was fighting Josh Barnett for 25 minutes in a small cage or Bigfoot Silver. Or anybody, for that matter. I thought it was just the way cage sizes were. Wow. I didn't know. I've never noticed. There is actual data. Like, smart people read Kuhn Fightnomics. They've done the data where it leads to more finishes. Well, it's smaller, right? It's it's much smaller. So the action is a little bit more like it's harder to to run away. Would you be okay if the Stipe Trilogy fight is in a small cage? You know, I read an article the other day where you guys were talking about the cages. And I Mm -hmm. I did like, uh, I think it was Brett's point where he was like, Championship fight, championship fight should be in the bigger cage, right? That's, that's, uh, but I mean, I don't think that's going to be the case because Amanda Nunes is fighting there Saturday. And so, a small cage, right? Probably. Small cage. So, um, either way, it doesn't matter. I fought for belts before in, in a smaller cage. So I'll just do the same thing again. I uh, want to ask you about as, as we start to round third here, as we like to say, uh, Colby leaving ATT. Mm-hmm. A, what do you think of that? And B, have you, as the captain of AKA for several years now, have you ever been in a position like this where you had to tell someone to to get out? We haven't had to tell anybody to get out. We've had guys leave. And, um, you know, sometimes it works out better for those people. You know, some of the guys that have left, I think they're in better situations for them. Um, this Kobe Covington thing, though, I mean, the writing was on the wall, right? Like, you could see that at some point that was going to boil over to the point that – a choice was going to have to be made. And in most cases, any gym owner or coach, or they'll take the whole over the one, no matter how special you are. You know, Kobe's a fantastic fighter. He knows how to build a fight and everything else. But when you talk about Jorge Masvidal, who's also a star, Dustin Poirier, Ioannia Jacek, um, there's no way that uh, ATT would side with him over all three of those uh, those level of fighters. I kind of feel like this was inevitable. Like I'm surprised yeah, it didn't sure. happen before, right? Yeah, for sure. Like with all that was being said and the, how how like how much tension there was between him and those people, there was no way that was ever going to work out. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about you know Joanna that way, Amanda that way, uh, yeah, Mazda, everybody. Yeah, you're you're kind of almost asking for it. He says that they left on uh, good terms, that it was mutual. Dan Lambert, I asked him the same. He said the same, so they're all leaving, but it's going to be interesting. Now that the shackles are off, so to speak, that he doesn't have to feel muted because they had this deal where he, he was not been muted, though. Well, Kobe I mean, Covington yeah. has not been muted. Like, if that's muted, imagine what he really wants to say. Right, imagine yeah. what he really wants to say. Um, Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, in or out? If there's nobody else for Conor to fight, yeah, I'd watch it. Really? I'd, I'd absolutely watch it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess I'd watch anything, but not my if first anybody, choice. If anybody else is, if everybody else is, is, is matched up, why not? You know, here's the deal, man. People all want to have a problem with everything, right? First off, it's like, everybody has a problem with everything. First off, it's like, Connor versus Habibi doesn't deserve a title fight. Needs to fight right. Justin. Okay. He does. Don't let him fight Justin because Justin deserves a title fight. Okay. So now he's on the outside at 155. Sure. Wants to go to 170. Oh, he doesn't deserve a title fight against Usman. Okay. Sure. 
We don't want to see him fight Masvidal because Masvidal's a bad matchup. He needs to fight Usman. Okay. We don't want to see this, this, this. Okay, so he's out. Now at Diaz, ah, oh, we're not interested in the Diaz fight. Okay, so he's on an island. He's out. Let him fight Anderson Silva. What's it matter? Right? Like if, if everybody has a problem with everything and you don't want him in a meaningful fight, you don't think he's done enough to re-earn a title fight, let him fight Anderson Silva. That's fine. I'll watch it. 100%. Yeah. It's a little funky. It's funky, of course, because Anderson's been so big for so long. But hey, if if that's where he has to go to get a big fight, which and it would be a big fight, then. is it a big fight though, Anderson? Yeah, yeah for it's sure, a big fight. Anderson at this juncture. I mean, I'm t- I'm not talking about. It's a. Let, let me tell you this right here. It's a bigger fight. It's so crazy. Don't yeah. Don't say it's it. It's a bigger don't fight than Ngannou versus Joe. No, it's not. That's because. <laughs> That's it's because Connor versus not competitively, not competitively, right? right. It, or it doesn't look like competitively on paper. But when you put that name, Anderson Silva, across from Connor McGregor, that fight is going to sell more pay per views than Jones versus Nagano. Connor versus a broomstick sells more pay per views than anyone. Yeah, but still, it's not like, a fair, not a fair comparison. But that's the thing, though. It's a big. So okay, okay, Connor. So is Connor versus a broomstick a big fight? Yes, because Connor. Okay, a, then you just answered the question. Is it a big fight, though? Of course it is, because it's going to sell. Okay, fair enough. I it's just want to see Connor after he fought Cerrone, who was coming off those losses. I want to see him fight like you know a top-rated well, of guy. Course, I do, I do. At that, me too. But all that is not available right now. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that the biggest draw doesn't have an doesn't obvious have dance, partner. dance partner, right? Put him in there with one of the greatest fighters of all time. All right. Um, okay. Last week I said. I give shout-outs at the end. This time, very quick game of true or false. True or false, John Jones versus Francis Ngannou will happen next. False. Wow. Okay, true or false. Jones, John Jones. Jones will fight one of those other guys. before. Okay, well, I was going to say true or false. The next light heavyweight title fight will not involve John Jones. It'll be John Jones versus John Bohovich. And, it would, and honestly, that would be that would be the best way for Jones to go about his business. Like you said, you're going to pay me the same, give me the next guy. Not even Dominic Reyes, too. I mean, that would be the bigger fight, right? But like right. Jones said, if you're going to keep paying me the same, I'm just going to fight the next guy. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Good on Jones. Uh, true or false? Jorge Masvidal will fight Kamar Usman next for the title. True. Okay. True. So basically everything that you said on Saturday was BS. You just admitted it. No, I do. I believe Gilbert Burns <laughs> should fight for the belt, but I do believe that they will make a, they will make that fight somehow. That fight will work itself out. I don't know how, but I believe that it'll work its, itself out. And true or false, the pride of Montreal, Quebec, Canada, the pride of the red and white, of the great white north, the former math teacher will channel her inner George St. Pierre and her inner Rich Franklin, Rich Ace Franklin, the former math teacher who became a UFC champion, Felicia the Phenom Spencer will shock the world on Saturday night, and she will become the new UFC Women's Featherweight Champion by defeating the supposed GOAT, Amanda Nunes. True or false, DC? True or false? So the moment you started to like form this question as if you were going to ask me for a prediction, I shut it out because I, I'm calling the fights this weekend. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You know you won't get a prediction out of me. I, so I, I didn't even to... hear what you said. The, the only thing I heard, I was like, oh, here comes this guy asking for a prediction. So I just kind of shut you out. So I don't even know what you said. But okay. For, I know I, I'm for... excited about a great fight, and I know Felicia Spencer's tough. She's tough, man. It'd be a good fight. If you sleep on Felicia Spencer, let me tell you something. You are making a mistake. She is unfazed. She is not scared. She is ready, willing, and able 
to shock the world. And I believe it in my heart. Now I'm not going to go out and make the prediction myself because I don't do that, but I'm just okay, saying. Okay. You're so serious. Your face came closer to the camera and then you backed out. Oh, Ariel's really serious. He came close to the camera. 250 <laughs> is a sneaky good card on paper. It's a good card. It's, it's a really good, good card. Sneaky good, right? It's got interesting elements like the return of Cody, uh, the return of Sugar Sean. Always fun to watch O'Malley fight. Of course, the fight I'm most looking forward to, the people's main event, Al Jermaine and Corey Sanhagen, the real bantamweight title fight, the real number one contender fight. It's a sneaky good card. It happens this Saturday on ESPN. ESPN Plus pay-per-views, a lot of content coming your way. But for now, we're out of time. DC, pleasure as always. Please be safe out there in Las Vegas because I see a lot of crazy stuff going on. So please be safe. And, yes. uh, you know, I'm going to put in a call into the, I'm going to look up on Google Maps, where's the closest Walmart to you. And let don't tell, don't snitch. Don't snitch. Hey, <laughs> snitches get snitches, dog. You know snitches get snitches. Don't snitch, dog. Don't snitch. All right, fine. All right. Hey, Much before love. we talk out, everybody out there, man, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Love each other. Hold each other. And, you know, let's just go home. Everybody go home, right? There's better ways to bring about change than destroying the cities that we all love. So go home. Take care of each other. Love each other. We all need to come together and try to get through this. So um, just go home. Okay? Just go home. And let's be better. Damn. Everyone. Thank you to Modelo. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you, Corporate Jake TST. Uh, thanks for joining me for this interview once again, uh, Daniel. It's always hey, a pleasure. Hey, <laughs> hey, You said interview. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you actually, uh, you're making it worse. Okay. Please continue to rate, download, subscribe, review. DC and Hawani, the fastest growing show at ESPN. But for now, we're out. Peace. Talk to you next time.